Well, good morning. We're um, moving our way through uh, Matthew chapter 5 and the uh, 6 and 7 and the Sermon on the Mount. And coming up to uh, verses uh, 13 through 16. And um, Pastor Mike's uh, tapped me, said, Tag, you're it this Sunday. And uh, let's, let's work this together. And so we're going to uh, look at uh, verse 13 together. But would you stand with me as we read from Matthew chapter 5 and um, verse 13. It says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Pray with me, please. Father, I want to thank you for this morning. I thank you for your presence with us. I thank you for the invitation to come boldly before your throne to find grace and mercy, to help in times of need. That, Lord, you welcome us, and I thank you for that. I thank you for your word that you've given to us, that uh, it's light to us, and you lead us uh, through the wisdom and examples and the promises and the commands and all that you've given to us in this book. And I pray, Father, that this morning is, as we open it up and we talk about what you've said, that your spirit would speak to us, uh, apply these words to each one of us individually, Lord, as, as we have need in our heart and life. And Lord, may we have hearts that are responsive to you. Uh, we just give you thanks for this morning. And uh, we commit ourselves to you and this time together to you. And we do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Well, this um, uh, last few weeks, we've been looking at uh, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, and Pastor Mike has uh, walked us through the Beatitudes, eight characteristics that are listed there of those who belong to the kingdom of God. These are the values, the character values that God has placed on us that are a part of his kingdom. He says, these are the values of the kingdom, and he calls us to live by these, and they're a model to us and a picture of what is when we walk with him. Uh, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the gentle, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted. These are the people, this is what we look like when we're walking with God in his kingdom. And we think of it as kingdom, like we're not citizens of this earth, our citizens, the citizenship is in heaven, spiritually speaking. And uh, so I find, what is it as we live in the kingdom of God here on earth? As we live in this, how are we to live? And he gives us these characteristics uh, that are here, but then he raises the question to us with two, with the two models, examples uh, here. He calls us salt and he calls us light. Both um, illustrations of influence in a context. And he says, given the character that he calls us to in the Beatitudes, he says, be an influence in the world in which you live. Uh, I could sit down now and I gave you my message, but I'm going to try to illustrate how does it, what does it mean then to be an influence and, and what is the example of salt? Uh, Pastor Mike's going to take light next week and I'm, I'm dealing with the imagery of salt today. But you are the salt of the earth and it's, it's not a literal thing. I'm not, a, I'm not standing up here as salt. I certainly have salt in my body because I'm alive. But I'm, I'm not Lot's wife. I'm not a pillar of salt because I look back and I wasn't supposed to. If you don't know the story, just forget it. But uh, the, 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 the point is we're not literally salt in that sense. So it's a word picture for us. And I said, so if, if I'm salt, what does salt do? And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning and say, how, would that, how could that be applied in our life? What difference would that make in uh, how we live and how we relate to, to other people? But um, just quickly, salt has many uses, and I can't begin to list them all. I thought of three even after I finished last service, but uh, uh, salt has many uses, and here's some. One is it stimulates taste, and that's probably the most practical use that any one of us has for salt. It's on our table, and, and uh, when we want the flavor of the food to dance a little bit, we put salt on it, and it, and it comes alive. Um, and I was thinking that the illustration that when you and I walk through this life as salt, 
salt in this earth and, and walk among those who are outside of the kingdom of God, uh, we bring some taste to it. We bring some light to it. Uh, we bring some life. We bring some hope. We lift the flavor of life. Uh, a thought. I'm not going to go very far on this because I have another point I really want to make. But the one is that we, we, it stimulates taste. Another is that it preserves that which is perishable. Um, you know, you go to the grocery store, all the canned food you have all has sodium in it. You know, it's because it's preservative. It helps things from decaying. And there's a sense in which you and I, as we live out our life and our faith in this world, that we're preserving a, a culture. Um, I think of just the example of uh, when, when you are known for your faith in Christ in a workplace or at school, and, and there's a group of people talking, and you walk up, and the conversation stops, you got a pretty good clue as to what they were talking about, or at least the, the general idea of what they're talking about. And, and I've found many times that my presence... Uh, contains conversation that's not healthy. Uh, I also find that my presence uh, at times that people, when they're, when they're planning on doing something and, and I'm around, they stop their conversation because they know what they're doing is not going to be a, a healthy thing for them or for somebody else, but it's something they want to do because they're driven by their own passion. But my presence influences the context. Your presence in the United States influences this context. Now, you're not going to like this. Something you don't like about our world today, it's moral decay, it's, it's where we're headed as a country, and you say, it's, you know, it's, it's terrible where everything's going. Come back and look in the mirror. The reason our country is where it is is because we have not been salt and light in our country. The church has, has pulled itself inside, has contained itself, we're pure, we're safe, and we're all right here. And I said, that's why the world is gone where it's gone, because we're not salt, we're not influencing it. Now, I didn't say that first service. Can I repeat that? No. I, but I just, I need to understand that as salt, I have, you know, you and I have influence in our world, and it's a preservative. To stand up and to speak graciously to be an influence in the world in which we live. It, salt is a healing agent. It uh, heals wounds. And I'm thinking that you and I as salt in this world and the words that we give and the actions of our life bring comfort, bring hope to other people, and bring healing in relationships that are, that are separated. Uh, you and I can play that role as salt uh, in our world. Another thing here is that salt is essential to life. I didn't understand this until some years ago when... It was um, a lot of the, in, at least in Christian media, there was the, the challenge to do a fast, you know, to do a 40-day fast. And I said, oh, gee, 40 days, it'd kill me. You know, but I thought, I want to try that. And so I did. The first three days were the painful ones. The rest of it was a breeze. And if that ever encourages any of you to think about a fast, you can, you can do that. You can actually survive for six weeks with just juices. You can do that. It's all right. But you don't want to do what I did when you finish. I continued to be very careful about my food. I was careful about what I ate. I didn't, have any, didn't use any salt or, or red meats or things. I, just, I was almost a veggie, or, or whatever those words are. Now, uh, a vegan or a veg. But anyway, I, would, I was very careful about my food. Three months later, I was really tired all the time. And then I started to get really sick. And Carlos, you know, said, this is not usually Ed. He says, you need to go see a doctor. I did. He took blood, uh, blood and I came back, and I was at the, in the, um, uh, sitting there with him, and he said, uh, Ed, do, do you use salt? And I said, no, no, it's not good for you. It hardens your arteries, right? <clears throat> I avoid salt at every, every occasion if I can. I, I'm even pleased with eating bland food. I drank juice for four, 40 days. I mean, what, you know, I, I can do anything, right? I didn't realize there was salt in the celery that I was... But anyway, the... Uh, uh, and then he asked, do you eat red meats? And I said, no, no, I need to plug up your arteries and stuff, you know, I'm trying to be healthy. And he says, well, well you young man, that was 30 years ago, uh, he said, you young man are about to die. I said, what? And he, so he took out the blood test and he's looking at it here, he says, number one, you have no iron. Look at the blood result, zero, you have no iron. And there's a measurement of iron reserves. And I was like 20%. He said, your body can't distribute oxygen 
to the cells for life without, without iron. And, and then he said, and then look right here, look at sodium. It was nearly zero. And he said, what you don't understand, Ed, is that every living cell in your body lives in the transfer of sodium and chloride. It, that's the, the, I don't understand all this, but the chemistry of that gives life to the cells in our body. If you don't have salt, you're not going to be alive. And he told me then, uh, the strangest advice from a doctor, he said, go down to In-N-Out, get yourself a double burger and salt your fries. <laughs> that was strange. Uh, that was, that's Tom Licata's uncle, by the way, that told me that. And he has a health food store over here on the, in the traffic circle. But anyway, uh, I, just, uh, I understood in the example from that that salt is essential to life. And I've lived long enough and had enough relationship with people, you know, in all these years that I understand that God uses you and me as salt that gives life to people when we're there present and interact with them. The saltiness of our life, Christ in us, brings life to people around us, essential to life. Another uh, element here of... um, of salt is that is it stimulates thirst. Um, there's a, um, a coffee bar in the Grand Hotel down in downtown Disney. It's back in the corner. Uh, it's really a bar. I mean, if you want to go get drunk, you can do that there. But they have great espressos. And, um, and during the day, there's nobody there. It's an empty place. And uh, I know the, the guy that's behind the counter. We've had a lot of conversations. Um, we talk about the Lord all the time, but, uh, well, all the time when I'm there. Um, but uh, usually every other month or so, uh, Carla and I will go by and we'll get a mocha and, and we'll sit by the fireplace that's over there and it's just it's a neat place. But when we get our mocha, they always bring this big bowl of um, nuts and chips kind of stuff. And it's about as spicy, burn your tongue, as anything you could ever put in your mouth. And I said, why do they service this junk? And then it dawned on me. It's full of salt. It makes me thirsty. I'll order more drink. So it's a marketing ploy. But the point is this. Salt makes us thirsty when you have an abundance of it. And I thought of the illustration, if I'm the salt of the earth, if I'm salty in an effective influence, people will be thirsty for Christ who lives in me. Can I be that kind of salt in the world in which I live? And so I see these examples and and, and I said, you are the salt of the earth. And there's one other thought about that, that, that statement, you are the salt of the earth. And that's the verb, the condition of the verb. You are the salt. It's not you can become, work at being salt, this is a good thing for you to do. It says you are salt. And then the whole rest of the verse that follows there in 13 is what happens when you're not good salt. What good is salt when it no longer has any flavor, savor? It's tasteless. It's thrown out and trampled under feet. It's useless. But he says that you and I, who are of the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus, are salt. But the question is, what's the quality of our salt? What's the effectiveness, the influence of our salt in the world in which we live? That's what Jesus is, is raising the issue to here. The verb condition uh, continues in other passages. I think of Acts 1.8. You will be my witnesses. Jesus, in the, just before he ascended to heaven there in, in Acts 1, um, he says, you will be, you shall be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, uh, and you and I as believers in Christ have the Spirit of God indwelling us. We are his witnesses. Um, I think in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, you are ministers of reconciliation. You are the ambassadors of Christ. These are statements that God has made concerning us. We are, by, not by choice, we are because we have chosen Christ. We are his ambassadors. We are his witnesses. When I name the name of Christ, now to the rest of the world, I am, I am a statement concerning Christ. And the way I live my life, the way I relate to people has a direct influence on how they think about Christ. You know, there's just no way I'm ever going to be around a church 
place is full of hypocrites. You know, they speak all this goody two-shoe stuff, and then look how they live. You know, they lie, they backbite with each other. They, you know, they, they drive right by us when you're in trouble. You know, they don't pay any attention in the neighborhood. They don't care. See, how I live my life has an impact on how somebody else perceives Christ, not me. Because I name his name, I'm his representative. It's a, it's a condition. I am salt. And the question, the question is, what's the quality of the salt in my life? He does go on and he gives us commands. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go. As salt, get up and go. And go and make disciples of all the nations. Steve and Mayan are doing that. They're in Vietnam right now. Seeking to make disciples of the nations, of the people, the peoples of Vietnam. They've been in Cambodia. Nepal, the Philippines, Mongolia. Because they're going, they're responding to the command, but know that they're going as salt and light. You know, and I can go to the furthermost parts of the earth and be salt, but I can also be salt to my neighbors. I think I'm out of place in my message notes here, but I'm going to do it now because it's in my head. In your front door, walk out of the front door of your house and, and look out. Now, it's given that your neighborhood looks like mine. There's a house to my left. You know, is there a house to your left? Who lives there? Do you know their names? Do you know anything about them? Do you know where they work, what they do, what's, what's heavy on their hearts, what are they excited about, what motivates them? Do you know them? Are you close enough to them to be able to be an influenced salt in their life? How about the neighbors on the right? Do you know who they are? Or the neighbor across the street? Now, I didn't like this for service because I'm remembering now. The neighbor across the street and to the left is a man and he has two boys and he lives there in the house. And I don't know all the life, life conditions. I don't know his name. I don't know the kids' names. I know their faces. I wave. They don't wave back. They don't talk, but I don't know them. I will before the week's out. Oh, that's a bad thing to say, Ed. You're going to ask me next Sunday how I did with my neighbor. <laughs> But see, when you and I talk out loud like this, there's an accountability that comes to us. That's healthy. So I just really doubled it up now. I know you're going to ask. So, but I'm going I'm to find out his name, and I'm going to find out something about him, and he may turn away from me, and I may have to tell you that's what happened. But all I'm saying is, can I intentionally be the salt that God says I am and get up and take that salt to places in my world? The guy who works uh, the desk down a ways. Uh, the other student in school who sits at the desk or, or I see them in the same place at the mall. The person I get my gas from. The, the person that I go buy my groceries and the clerk behind the counter who's always there. You know, to go and be salt intentionally. Mark sixteen fifteen. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Share the good news and what Christ has done for you and is doing in you. So the question raised in this verse is the quality of our salt. What's the quality of our influence in the world in which we live? And I, I, I want to make sure, I want to understand this, that uh, some people I think misunderstand the statement that uh, you are the salt of the earth and if you're not worth anything, you're thrown out. And some, things, some people re- respond to that with a deep sense of guilt that, you know, I haven't done what I should have done. I didn't say what I should have said. I have disappointed God, and he's going to throw me out and trample me underfoot, and I'm not his anymore. That's a misreading of this statement. You'd have to contradict a whole lot of other passages of Scripture. When I come to faith in Christ, I'm his, and no one will snatch me out of his hand. I'm his for eternity. I'm sealed by his Holy Spirit. I'm his. So if I'm not salty and an influence, doesn't separate me from Christ. But if I'm salt and I'm not very salty and I'm tasteless, it's certainly a picture of the kind of relationship that I'm nurturing with him. So being trampled under feet, cast out and trampled under feet is a picture of the kind of influence you have if you don't have if you're not tasty, if you're not salty. It's the quality of our salt that's the issue that comes to the table. I've never experienced bad salt. I was trying to think of some illustrations. I said I've never had salt that was bad. I don't I don't know what bad salt is. I know that in the Midwest, in the East, they take salt that's not good for the table and they throw it out on the ground to melt snow and ice. 
rust the cars, but you know, other than that, you know, it has a little bit of good to it. So, so what's bad salt? And Pastor Mike and I were talking about this a bit, and we were thinking, well, salt that's uh, been diluted in water doesn't have the same saltiness as salt that comes right out of the shaker. And um, diluted salt is worthless. And I asked the question, okay, Ed, what dilutes your life? What fills your life that dissipates the saltiness of, of your person? I tell you my life is full. If I begin a day and it's not full, I'll fill it. I don't sit still well. If they'd have had Ritalin when I was a kid, I'd have been on it. I think God gave me two adrenaline sacks. If there is a sack, I don't know. But I just know that I can fill my life with enough stuff that I don't think and remember the fact that I am a representative of Christ. I'm salt in this world that needs healing, that needs preserving, that needs life. And I am salt. I am his ambassador and his representative. And I don't want to dilute my life, spread it out so far, so thin, and involved in so many things that are going to burn, that are meaningless, that my salt doesn't have any effect. That's one example, I think, of uh, uselessness or salt that's lost its savor, its uh, tastiness. I think another is uh, contaminated salt is worthless. Um, Salt that maybe has other chemicals that got mixed into it. Um, uh, Salt that was dirty or had dirt in it or or something. It's been contaminated and it's not as, as, as good as salt and could become useless. And then I ask the question, um, Ed, what has corrupted your life? Um, in what ways have you chosen to conform to this world and corrupted the saltiness of my own life? Uh, I profess one thing, and the example of my life says something else. What is there like that in my life? In what way has the saltiness of my life been, been compromised? I think it's uh, not unusual that uh, Paul would say to the Romans in, uh, in chapter 12, um, uh, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable spiritual service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I said, I think for you and I, our saltiness is corrupted by our conformity to the world we live in. You know, there were a lot of years when I was involved in working with high school students and, uh, and just sharing Christ on the high school campuses with the club program called Campus Life. And uh, <clears throat> I mean, I wore my jeans and I, I had my, my afro. I, it's, I just... I, I just, I mean, I looked the part, and <clears throat> I was really proud when I was 32, and uh, one of the school narcs told me to get back into class. <laughs> and <clears throat> I made some kind of statement. I says, I'm, I'm, I'm not a student here. I'm an adult. Shunned campus says, don't smart mouth me. Go back to class. And I'm going, you just make me feel so much better. I'm going, this is just so cool. I mean, I looked the part. And then there were some years that went by and I had a conversation with um, a young man I'd been connecting with uh, at the school. And, uh, and I started talking to him about the Lord. And he says, uh, that's good for you, Ed. You're a really nice guy, but it's not for me. He didn't see anything in my life that countered where he was headed with his life. I don't need anything because you don't have anything new to bring to me. You can bring me a set of beliefs, but you're not any different than me, was his message. And it just, uh, you know, it cut me to the quick. I mean, I just, I was down in misery, agony, just to think that, what have I done, Lord? I wanted to build bridges. I wanted to be, I wanted to be able to, to be easily accepted in a group that I could have influence and speak. But I looked so much like everybody else, I didn't have any influence. 
And so I'm, I'm saying that can happen to you and me and it can affect the quality of the influence of our life, the effectiveness of our life. Here's an example, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1. It's on the screen. Um, Paul was saying to Timothy, let all who are under the yoke as slaves regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and our doctrine may not come, be spoken against. So here's Paul saying to Timothy, Tim, I want you to tell the guys, tell the people you know who are slaves. Uh, they're under somebody else's authority against their will uh, and they have every reason to be um, uh, resistive, uh, resentful. Um, uh, I mean, they're in, a, they're in a tough situation. They're slaves. And Paul says, honor your master so that no ill can be spoken against God or what you live, what we've taught you. Look after the manner of your life in every context that you don't lessen the saltiness of your life. And even to hear as a slave that I can be an influence on my master, that he might come to know Christ. I have a couple other thoughts about useless salt. Uh, useless salt would be that which is silent. I'm speaking in terms of us as salt. Uh, being silent or engaged with other people. When you and I are, are silent, it's like, uh, this is a salt shaker, okay? In case you can't see it all back there. It's got salt in it. And, and I think of this as me. It, you know, I've, I'm salty. I have salt. I have the presence of Christ in my life, and I've got salt right here. And as long as this salt is in the salt shaker, it's going to stay pure and clean and have no effect on anybody. When I was in college, um, there was a woman, Becky Pippert, uh, from back east someplace, I think Wheaton. But anyway, she wrote a book called Out of the Sha Salt Shaker and Into the World. It's a great book. Well, I thought it was then. Uh, great illustrations and stories, but the, the key thing of the whole book was the title. Can I understand, for all that dwells within me in the presence of Christ, God lives within me. The Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in me and you who've come to faith in Christ. And if I don't engage my world around me and I'm silent, I have no influence. They can look at my life and say, nice guy. But they don't know the Lord. I got to get the salt out of the salt shaker. I have to be engaged in my world or my saltiness is useless. Now, you can argue that in point, but you, get, you understand what I'm saying. You know, my faith is a private thing. I don't want to disturb somebody else. God will take care of them. Besides, he calls his elect, and, and if they're elect, they'll get called. And so I just dismiss all the commands to be salt and light in my world, dismiss the commands to, to speak and to be a reconciler and to, to be an ambassador for Christ. I dismiss all of that because it's a private thing. That's useless salt. Uh, here's another one, um, arrogance, uh, the, uh, arrogant or humble, arrogant salt is useless, arrogance only separates you from somebody else and creates reasons not to even want to listen to you or to demean you or to put down anything you do have to say that may be related to the gospel, the world doesn't respect a proud person. Where's your heart? And do you walk in humility? Are you proud that you're saved for eternity? Or are you grateful that you're saved for eternity? It's a difference. And if I want to be useful, I've got to be grateful. When I'm proud, I stand on my pedestal and condemn everybody around me. And there's no room for that. It's salt. Another one is uh, disrespectful or respectful. When I'm disrespectful for somebody else, uh, towards somebody else, I shut down any opportunity to be an influence in their life. 
But when I when I accept respect when I'm respectful to somebody else, uh, I I grant them the right to believe and do and be what they are. And I can come and I can offer salt. I can offer questions. I can offer things to them to help them think about where they're at, that they could move to life rather than death. Because I'm right doesn't give me a posture to write off somebody else. Paul would never have become a believer if Barnabas hadn't risked his, his reputation, his life, and taken time with Paul. Paul was the man who killed Christians. I said, I've got to walk that every living soul on the face of this earth is the creation of God and loved by God and one for whom Jesus died. Whether I like them or not. And that changes my posture. I can respect you as a fellow human being. I can respect you as one who was created by God. I can respect you as one who needs him. And I can come and I can build bridges into your life and I can share that gospel. I can be salt. I can be an influence. A side thought. It's some of the worst thing that I could probably do when I want to be salt in somebody's life is to take the lid off and pour it all out on them. You know, it only takes a little bit of salt, but it takes some. Um, the um, other useless salt that I have uh, make mention of here is that is the judgmental and the condemning. It's, it's kind of embraced in the arrogant and disrespectful, but a little different. Um, useless salt is that which is judgmental and condemning. Useful salt is that which is gracious and gentle. We'll look at that in the scriptures here too. Paul told the Colossians in chapter 4, verse 6, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. Live your life in a way that's stimulates thirst in the people you meet. How do you do that? I have three things just to highlight here. One is to live a life that is attractive. I don't mean looks, I mean character, I mean heart. Live a life that's attractive. Bitterness is not attractive. Anger is not attractive. Self-centeredness is not attractive. Arrogance, pride is not attractive. You get the picture. Live your life in a way that is attractive, that it stimulates a thirst in other people for what shapes your life, your thinking, and your behavior. I discovered that the consistency of your life will result in conviction in another when they see how you live your life and how well you live your life because of God's presence in you and your submission to him, that's convicting to people. And for some, it draws them close because they want to know. They feel badly about where they're at and what they're doing and they want to be different. They like what they see in you. It's the Spirit's conviction in their heart. And for others, it's one of condemnation that comes back. Because your life uh, stirs up uh, uh, resentment, uh, anger. Uh, it, stirs, it stirs up uh, uh, competitiveness and contrast, comparison. And said, you know, you're holier than whatever. And, and they don't like that because they don't like God. And Jesus told us that. They don't come to the light because they want the darkness. And that's going to be true for some people. But that doesn't put me off the hook of being salt. I am salt, so be salt. And some will be responsive and some won't. I don't think it's uh, um, without meaning that in the statement of the Beatitudes, the last characteristic was the one who perseveres under, uh, under persecution. And then the very next verse is, you are salt. You are light. 
you're an influence in the world. Don't be surprised if you experience uh, persecution because you're salty. Now, just don't experience persecution because you're disrespectful and, and arrogant in your presentation of, of the good news. But some people are not going to like what you have to say, and just don't be surprised by that. And that's what he says in that eighth characteristic there in the Beatitudes. Another thought here is, um, what's going to stimulate thirst? Speaking, uh, speak affirming and gracious words to others. Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 3 and 4. Um, I've been traveling all week and my brain's not fully with me, so I'd try to quote it to you right now and, and you'd be in trouble, or I'd be in trouble, whichever. So I've got to look for it here. Philippians 2, uh, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. How would you be received by the world around you if that were true? How would things function differently in your home if that were true? But that's what God calls us to. I have nothing to defend anymore. Ed Trenner died in 1956. He got hung on a cross with Christ. I got nothing to stand up for. I just, Lord, I'm all yours. You didn't take me home to glory because you got something for you want me to do. So I'm yours. I'm here to be salt to serve you. I've got nothing to defend. Now that's, you know me close enough. Some of you know me close enough to say, Ed, you don't always live like that. Way too true. But I keep coming back to that point of reference in my life that says I'm not my own, I'm his. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to, to look out and only regard what's good for me and, and is, fits what I want and the way I want it, when I want it. Can I look out for the interest of others? Speak affirming and gracious words to other people. I had, I had six examples, and Carla told me I could only use two. She says, you're going over time anyway, and I did. I'm sorry. I'll try to... Uh, here we are. Two examples. Friday morning... <clears throat> I'd had two hours of sleep. I was in Indianapolis, and I, and I had to be at the airport at 5 o'clock. I caught my flight uh, to Chicago and then, then back here to Santa Ana. And I'm on the plane, and I'm thinking, at least I got an hour now. I can get a little snooze. Well, walking down the aisle is this lady, and she seems very distraught. She's troubled. She's a little angry, frustrated, and, and, uh, and she sits in the seat next to me. I'm going, oh, let's see. You know, you know. But that wasn't my first thought. My first thought was, oh, I wonder what's troubling her, you know? And, and, and then uh, she sits down in the seat, and, and I do a simple thing that opens up conversations. I say the obvious. And more often than not, it opens up conversation. I'll give two examples of this, but this is one. I said, traveling sure is difficult, isn't it? And she looked at me, and she started crying. I'm going, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> and, and she said, she says, I'm on my way to San Francisco and my brother's dying of cancer and I don't even know if he's going to live until I get there. I'm going, oh Lord. I just, a lot of compassion just welled up inside me. That was one side of my heart. The other side of my heart was, I'm not going to get my hour of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I was able to speak God's words of hope and encouragement and comfort to her. And it reminded her of her young years and she grew up in the church and she made a response to the Lord and it just kind of left him in the, in the wake of everything in life. And, and all of that came out of a conversation uh, because I said the obvious. Two weeks ago this morning, I was in Soldotna, Alaska. I was speaking in the Kenai Church and... Uh, <clears throat> The place I was staying was I had about four miles away, and I didn't get breakfast, and, and I didn't have any dinner the night before. And I said, I probably ought to eat something if I'm going to get through the Sunday morning. And so I stopped, and there was a Carl's Jr., the only thing open in Kenai at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning, by the way. And uh, so I pulled in there, and I walk in. I'm the only one there. I mean, 
well, there's some people behind the counter, but uh, I was the only customer. And I ordered an egg burrito, and then I, I sat down at the table, and, and um, a lady came from behind the counter with a cup of coffee and sat down in the, in the booth right in front of me. So we're like face-to-face, but in the other booth. And, uh, and she looked up, and I said the obvious again. It just kind of leaked out of my mouth. I said, not very busy on Sunday mornings here. <laughs> Going, that was a dumb statement, I thinking to myself. And she says, no, no, we're really not, not during the winter. But uh, in the summer, we're pretty full. I says, oh, you own this, this business? I said, yeah, yeah, me and my husband, so we bought it a couple years ago. I said, wow, do you live here in the area then? Is that, no, I don't. we moved up from Missouri two years ago, and it became available, and we bought it as an investment and running the business. I said, this is great to live in Kenai like this, this beautiful place. I said, yeah, I said, but we need a different place to live. Said, How's that? Well, we live in an apartment where the roof leaks when it rains and, the, and the, the cold wind blows through. And it was 20 degrees, by the way, that morning. And I made a point of that. I said, 20 degrees. I said, it's cold. And he says, no, that's warm. And I said, what do you mean? Well, for the last two weeks, it's been 30 below. So it's 50 degrees warmer. And I says, well, I'm from California. It's 50 degrees colder. So perspective does make a difference. But so I'm, I'm talking and thinking, they're looking for another apartment. They've lived in this place for two years in all this discomfort. And I said, you know what? I think I know somebody who can help you. I said, do you know Keith Randall? Uh, he's a chaplain for the fire department. He was in the paper this last week. He was at an accident happened down on the freeway. You know, oh, yeah, uh, no, I don't really know the name. I said, well, he's also pastor of the church just down Cave Beach Road there at Peninsula Grace. But he said, there are a whole bunch of people in his church that have investments. And I know, I, I don't know their names. I don't know how to reach them, but Keith does. I said, Keith can put you in touch with some people who have apartments and probably get you a better place because they're all real particular about what they do. You know, they're, they're, they're good people. And they probably get you one for the same price you got or better maybe. But call Keith. He'll put you in touch. I said, yeah, you don't have to go. She gave this look. I said, you don't have to go to church. Just give him a call. He'll, he'll give you a referral on that. He said, no, no, I was just thinking about that. I, uh, in just recent days, I've been thinking about going to church. I haven't been to church since a kid. And um, I said, well, I think you'll like the place. There are about 400 people there. And they, um, uh, probably half of them are about your same age. And they're great, warm, friendly people. You'll probably really like that. I said, I'll never get my husband to go. I says, I don't know. I just got back from a, spending a day out in the, the Caribou Hills uh, doing snow machining, they call it. And uh, rode 60 miles across the wilderness you know, and I said and a bunch of guys just doing that together I bet he'd like that but anyway we got the talking and she got the number she got Keith's name he says I'll follow up I'll check with that and then I let some people know I let Keith know and they'll stop by at Carl's and they'll look her up that's salt I think <laughs> open conversation people I don't know just open the conversation Stimulates thirst when you show some interest. Engage in a conversation. Demonstrate acts of kindness out of your life. Romans 12, uh, uh, chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Read that as an assignment if you're up to taking those. But there's a list of how you're to act and relate to each other in the church and in the world around you. It may have some ideas in there for you as to how you might be salt, better salt, salty salt in the world in which you live. I just want to be thoughtful about what kind of salt I am, what kind of influence I am in the home, at work, in school, in the neighborhood. And asking the question is, is, is your life attractive? Is it salty? And am I taking the steps to engage the world around me? 1 Peter 3, verse 15. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence or respect. Look at the verse again. Is it up here? You, you, got, you got one down there? Keep, keep, keep going. I, I understand. I missed you there. Uh... The um, sanctify Christ, set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. And be ready to give an answer 
to anyone who asks you. You see it? It's not be ready always to tell somebody. Be ready always to take the initiative. Be ready to give an answer. And the implication of this is that someone asked you, can I live in relationship with the people around me in my world that my life is salty, my life is attractive, my life stimulates thirst so that people will ask me, what's up with you? Where do you find this hope? Where do you find a positive thing in this context? Where do you find the ability to give like you give? How do you, you know, live your life in such a way salty enough that people want to ask you and then be ready to give an answer? You see? There's a characteristic of uh, spiritual salt that we can't miss. And that is that good saltiness is not our doing. And good saltiness is God's presence reflected in us. It's, I am not by character and nature attractive salt. If there's anything of any attraction in my life, it's what God has done and is doing in me and through me. I can be a nice guy to you for a while, but it won't take you very long to find the real Ed. I'm as corrupt as anybody else apart from Christ. To understand that if you and I are going to be effective salt in this world, we have to recognize the fact that it's our relationship with Christ that makes us effective salt. It's his love, his compassion, his acceptance, his invitation. But the quality of our salt is directly related to our walk, our relationship with him. Jesus said in John 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branch. He who abides in me and I in you, the same brings forth much fruit. Because apart from me, you can't do anything. I can't begin to be effective salt on my own. I'm lifeless apart from the vine. And when I live in relationship with Christ, my life will bear fruit. That's what it says. Can I live like that? Can I embrace that with my heart and my life? So how does one lose their saltiness? Walk away from Jesus. Neglect him. Neglect time with him in the word. Fill your life with stuff. Life loses its saltiness. Walk close and others will see him in you. That's saltiness. Our confidence... I find in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 18. Um, quick reference here to you. It's a long passage, and I'm not going to read it to you, but I'm going to skip through uh, portions of it here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, Paul's talking to the Corinthians, and, and he says that uh, in verse 4, we have confidence. Such confidence we have through Christ towards us. And this is our confidence. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. He calls on me to be salt that has influence in the world. And he says, says salt, just know this, that, that being adequate to be salt that has influence is, comes from God, not from you. It's his presence in you. Who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of a letter, but that of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but two, the Spirit gives life. And so I have confidence in the fact that in any situation I'm engaged, the Spirit of God is present and, and involved, active. Whether someone is responsive to that is, is another issue, but I know he's present. And so I walk in confidence when I open my mouth that I'm not on doing this just all on my own. I'm standing up in front of you now with deep dependence on God. Fill my mouth with something that makes a difference in people's lives. Speak through me if you want. Use whatever words come out by your spirit and apply it to people's hearts. That's how I stand up here now. 
And I hope it connects. Verse 12, a reason I have confidence. Therefore, having such a hope, and the hope that we have that in Christ that he indwells us, having such a hope, we have great boldness in our speech. I'm not afraid to engage a conversation with somebody. I, I may come off a little ignorant at times. I may even be regarded as um, uh, putting my nose where it doesn't belong. And I pick up on that pretty quick. <laughs> I bruise easily. And so I, I come down, but I have boldness in that because I have hope in Christ. He's in me. And the other is that, uh, the other hope I have is that, uh, but we with an unveiled face, uh, in verse 18, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, justice from the Lord, the Spirit. What I'm not, God is working in me. He's in process and he's transforming me. And it's an ongoing process that happens. So I have confidence in extending, taking the risk to be salt and influence in my world. So I tell you to watch over your heart with all diligence. That's what Solomon said. For from it flow the springs of life. Say no to distractions. Say no to compromise. Measure your life. Assess your relationship with God against 1 Corinthians 13. Love is... Put your name in place of love. Measured against Galatians chapter 5, verses 22, 23, the fruit of the Spirit. And as you measure your life against these two, the two examples of this is what a godly person looks like, know that those aren't characteristics you work on, but it's a clue to you as to where you're at in relationship with the Lord. Take the steps to move closer, and these things will be more obvious in your life. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus said that. And remember this. Jesus stood and cried out saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Spirit, whom those believed in him were to receive. And he's present in us who have embraced Christ. Go and be salt. Father, thank you for uh, being so gracious to us. I uh, thank you for your patience with us. I thank you for your perseverance. You don't let us sit still. You just keep coming at us. And I'm grateful, Lord. I'm grateful that you've uh, granted us the privilege of being a part of your work in this world, that we are your ambassadors. We are ministers of reconciliation. We are your witnesses. We are salt and influence in our world because you say so. And so we come and yield with what we have and who we are. Lord, our desires that we be useful to you and the kingdom. We thank you in Jesus. Amen.